0: Hi, folks. Welcome. This is Mark Steiner, and uh, today's podcast, we're going to talk to two folks who were in Charlottesville, who witnessed what happened, who reported on what happened, who were in the midst of what happened, and who were deeply affected by what happened. Bainwood Woods is in the house. Of course, he's editor-at-large at uh, City Paper, and we co-host the Democracy in Crisis podcast together. Uh, good to have you in the studio, man. Yeah, thanks. And... Uh, the uh, editor, uh, this, a large editor. If he's editor a large, you're the large editor. Yeah, that's me. That's, <laughs> that's Brandon Soderbergh, who was editor of the city paper, uh, and they were both in Charlottesville uh, for the events that took place, where one person was killed, nineteen were were injured uh, by the Nazi racist scum that kind of took over the city. Uh, but Bayner, you, you would, let me start with you because I mean, I read your piece. It's a really beautiful piece. It was very kind of, I mean, it got into the heart of it and was chronological, but as you walked in, I said to you, you seem I can feel there's a lot of tension in you today. And as a Southern boy from South Carolina, as someone who has dealt with this issue of race and racism a lot in your own life, just the way you deal with it, this, this really affected you what happened in Charlottesville, personally.
1: Yeah, I mean I think it affected I can't imagine that it didn't affect anybody. You yeah, know?
0: but you yeah, but you seem particularly wrenched by what you felt and saw.
1: But I am a little shaken, you know, and I've I've we've all seen a lot of shit over the, the last couple of years. And so it's not just seeing some violence or something, but yeah, there's, it's something really complicated that I don't know how to, to, um, I mean, on the one hand, just like we were standing there when, uh, right across the street, when fields slammed the car into a bunch of people, we thought a bomb blew up and started running another direction. It sounded like a, a bomb. Really? Um, and that could have like, as we, it took a long time because we were kind of in shock, but as we were leaving, we kind of realized like, Oh well, one of us could be standing in the hospital, like seeing if the other one's ever gonna wake up again, and so like just like thinking of of Heather Hare and like any time of it was the young woman who was killed yeah, I mean it, that's just dating and and but but like walking up here, it's just disgusting to be walking around in white skin after after seeing that many Nazis and stuff like i'm I'm just completely disgusted when I see myself mm. um When I see other white people, I don't know what side they're on when they when it comes to this. And there's just this really like wrenching to to leave the house almost is is I went yesterday to meet uh, my wife for for some breakfast to try to chill and like had to run out of the place because it just was like disgusting. And like, I don't know how that sort of processing is going to take place. There's still a lot of. and, And I mean, also, we'd. You know, like I said, we've been to a lot of, of here in the Uprising, the, the J-20 stuff, but this, from three minutes after we arrived until it was done, it was nonstop violence. Bloodied faces, nonstop. And, like, that's just something that, that also you sort of aren't always ready to – you don't, aren't sure how that's going to percolate in, in your subconscious and stuff.
0: I, mean, I think, Brandon, did you say something
2: about you're glad that you weren't alone? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Um. Boehner was interested in going. I was interested in going. And um, it's usually wise to have a buddy. <laughs> but um, it was incredibly wise to have a buddy. Um, I mean, so, you know, you get your tech texts from your family who are concerned or, you know, friends. And usually try to entertain them a little. Yeah, I'm okay. But I was like, this is terrible. This is just four straight hours of war from the minute we got there um pretty much until fields hit that woman killed the, killed that woman and drove into all these people um it was just war i've never seen anything like it i don't want to i've never been to war but it was the closest i could ever imagine it um it was just you were running on pure adrenaline from the moment you got there um, you know, yeah. within a minute of being there these Nazis were throwing people on the ground hit a woman in the face, shoved a protester right down like she just smacked on the concrete and it didn't let up. You walk over to the park, Emancipation Park, where the proper rally was. There's a bunch of people with automatic weapons lined up um, and... You're talking
0: about the Nazis and racists with yeah, automatic weapons.
2: Yeah, and they're kind of framed as like three percenters or oath keepers um, and they pr- claim to be objective, which is kind of but they had MAGA patches on
1: their yeah. right here. MAGA patches. Make America great again. Yeah. Oh. And they. Uh-huh. And they uh-huh.
2: Yeah. And they're they're kind of frames themselves as some sort of objective um, force, but they're they're on that side and they have weapons and um, that's something that was really striking too. And as a sort of there's been some you know, spin by Richard Spencer, the kind of one of the main organizers, Matt Heimbach, one of the kind of uh, I don't know what it's stupid. Parties called. But these, Trad workers. Yeah, whatever. These racists is this idea that the police didn't do what they should have done, which is true. But what the police needed to do was protect everyone from these Nazis. And what you saw was that the Nazis brought weapons and armor and dudes with automatic weapons. And the protesters, the anti-fascists brought medics and de-escalators. And then the police what do you mean, didn't de-escalate. Essentially, people that were clearly there to kind of catch people in that moment. I mean, there's violence everywhere. People get caught up in it, you know. And there's at least a few people, especially from, like, church groups, that would grab someone by the shoulders. It's like, hey, come back. It didn't always work. People, definitely other side, both sides are beating the crap out of each other. But
1: even, like, so Cornell West, for instance, was standing at the entrance to the park where the Nazis were trying to keep people from the left from going in there. And that's where they were having the right the the, the yeah. racists were having their rally in the inside park. the park. And then there was the, the everyone else was pro, who was protesting them was outside of the park. And every time a new group would come of the racists, there'd be a fight breaking out on their way there. But there was a large group of, of West and then some ministers and stuff standing there to try to keep people from going in from the, the other side to engage them. And and I mean I, I think also that, that and we're gonna FOIA this to find out one of the things I think Before that's inter- the Freedom, Freedom of Information, Information Act request, yeah, yeah. Right. but the police seem to be have been only interested in preparing for the anti-fob protesters because they, rather than keeping anyone apart, rather than worrying about the racist at all, many of whom had thin blue line flags, the black and white American flag with the blue, which symbolizes police support. Um, but they were, I thought they were going to kettle everyone because they were off on all the side streets. But what they were actually doing was protecting the stores at the mall. I think they thought, like on Inauguration Day, that the left would break windows, and that was the only thing they were concerned about, was
2: protecting property rather than protecting safety.
0: You didn't feel any kind of protection at all from the police?
2: Absolutely not. I mean, for almost the entire thing, they were behind like two gates. There'd be a gate that we were stopped at, then there'd be maybe a 12 to 15 foot gap of space, and then another gate, and then the police. Um, They... Hid most of the day. Um, I had put a video on my Twitter of a cop watching it all happen. People are throwing bottles, tear gas canisters, and he, you know, he kinda jumps at some point, but only to pull his phone out and record it. I guess to put it on Facebook or something. It was there was the police seemed completely disinterested in it. I'm sure they were scared. I'm sure they were intimidated, but um and that was where it all broke down because then what happened and I've seen this at Trump rallies before, and this was essentially a Trump rally, we can call it that. Um, well, they all
0: said, that if I'm correct, I mean, at least on the national news and other places you see on Facebook and Twitter, other places that the racists and Nazis were all saying that, you know, we voted for Donald Trump, this, you know, we're, we're supporting Donald Trump, and that's one of the reasons we're here, right. you know, to make America great again, right. He promised
2: this, right? They're chanting Kyle Trump. Yeah, but also like blood and soil, famous yeah. Nazi slogan, but um, so... Um, There was this moment where they called the uh, whole gathering, uh, declared it an illegal assembly. And for a moment, everyone was confused. Did it mean the people outside the park were illegal? Did it mean the people in the park finally we understood it meant everybody? So then all the Nazis were then sent out of the park or threatened or were going to be threatened with arrest. So it pushed all the Nazis further into the protesters. This is something I've seen in miniature at Trump rallies, which is suddenly the police are like, okay, this is over. Everyone's got to mingle and get out of here. And that's when it really started to really explode, was when you suddenly were forcing people out of the park into the streets with the people that they've been trying to fight for the past three hours or two hours, really. And then you have this other thing, which I thought what would have happened was the police would have formed a perimeter, which they do with these things, and kept the group separate. Like, one of the things... The the RNC in Cleveland. One of the main reasons there wasn't any violence is that police were really aggressively just they would just get between everybody, and um, it was kind of a police state there. So I don't think that was like a real victory, but um you at least expected a perimeter before, and that would have let these Nazis go in, and like there should have been a division, but there was nothing like that. It was just constant bumping into each other, and of course the Nazis would come down the street and they would take the most like oblique way into the park so they could like snake through as many protesters as possible and get as many punches in. It was. So the very first
1: thing we saw was we had walked up. We weren't even close to the park yet. And there's a group of people wearing the Vanguard. I mean, carrying Vanguard America shields, which is the same shield that fields the driver of the, the terrorist driver of the car was photographed holding earlier in the
2: day. So it's this group. Um, I'd also real quick add that also in that first group we saw was a thin blue line flag as well. Yeah, I was going to say that.
1: Those guys, they're carrying a thin, they have a thin blue line flag. They're chanting, you can't run, you can't hide, you get helicopter rides, referring to the far right governments of of Chile and Argentina in the 70s and 80s, throwing leftists out uh, to disappear them out of helicopters, which becomes also a tragic irony with the police helicopter crashing uh, later in the day. And then... The, um, the uh, they start to move through and they seem to be intentionally targeting women's faces. There were three women with their faces smashed with sticks. Another one who was pushed down on her face and um, the police come up immediately after they run off. And someone on the left also was grabbed a stick from them and started hitting someone over the head. So the left, you know, we talked about on Democracy in Crisis last week, if they would fight. They were able to fight back adequately and and but. The police came up immediately after the—and it happened again and again. They'd let the Nazis get away, and then they'd come up and start a, stand a perimeter there. Um, and, but no medics, no medical help. If it weren't for the street medics out providing care for people until the actual—until people actually died, that was the first time we saw any official medics. And even then, it was the street medics that did the initial care and that cleared the roads and that, like, made this— stuff happened i mean those people were real heroes and that's also
2: day. that's like anarchy in action but like we have this insane idea of anarchism because of you know the paranoia of the country but that's essentially like anarchy in action which is street medics taking something upon themselves and doing like community to try derived policing and fixing things
0: so i mean the, the the title of the piece you wrote was for the city paper and i guess it's also going around the country yeah yeah right, right? to other alt weeklies yeah they had a kind of a different name as so Alt. This whole thing is getting on my nerves, but
1: fuck that. We own it. <laughs> fuck <those> Nazis, man. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> sorry. That's <laughs> all right, babe. So um, is is uh, you, you entitled to Charlottesville and the shattering of America?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I and when I use the line in the actual piece, it says or the illusion of it, right. um, and we've had illusions shattered a lot, again and again and again, and we should know, but it it. After all of the things we, we've seen over the last years, it was something, like, really, really different. Um, and it, it felt, I don't know what it is, but it shattered something in me, and I feel like it shattered something in the country that we, we it's not going to get better now.
0: You don't think so? No. You it, think this is just a tip of something that's going to be a lot worse?
1: This is the Pratt Street Riot of 1861, it feels like to me. Why?
0: Why does it feel like that?
1: Even now, if you look on Twitter, the right, the people that we call the alt light and the alt right are, are making excuses, are defending, are saying that, that it's an anti plant, that it's a. anti fascist, fa- f- yeah, yeah, that, that it's but... an uh, false flag. They're making every way possible to apologize and not address that this attack happened. And I mean, you see like the New York Times reporter. Um, Cheryl Gay Stolberg, who was there saying that, oh, both sides were equally full of hate and then correcting that to say, oh, I mean, equally violent in the face of a terrorist attack. We we the mainstream news media is doing this thing of trying to be like trying so hard to be balanced that they're not looking squarely at what's happening. It's time to quit buying pizzas for those motherfuckers and send it to independent media. Um, you know, that's who needs your pizzas, because, like, we need people who are going to be saying it honestly and not doing I mean, it feels like reading the coverage now almost like in the lead up to Iraq, like they're bending over backwards not to notice what's happening
0: and, and so let me ask you both for a second here I mean I, I mean without interjecting my thoughts at all what 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 do you think is happening what do you think ha- what do you think what Charlotte was I mean what what was i mean what 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 happened
2: I think it was a declaration of war i don't I don't think it was planned to be that, but I think that's what it was by think, the racists yes, I think that. I hope it doesn't happen, but I think that I worry that running over protesters will be the new norm. Um, I really try not to be a scaremonger, but I was horrified, I can't, like, and you know, there and, you know, we've been seeing this since Ferguson at least, this idea that you should be able to run over protesters. We saw it in Baltimore, people would be like, I should just be able to you know, run them over there, and we have politicians pushing laws, and then right. it all kind of went from the abstract to being very real, and then immediately you have the people in power including you know the times or whatever people in power within media have more power than we do at least um you know abstracting it again there's a moment where it was very real and someone died and then it's becoming abstracted again it's becoming another thing of like well you know like I, I don't know unless we miss the part where some anti fascist drove a car into a bunch of people I can't imagine saying they were both equally violent it's crazy
1: and, and I mean it's so I think it may be like Joan Didion said and and her famous essay, slouching Towards Bethlehem, quoting the Yates poem, The Sinner Will Not Hold. I think there, that that's what happened, that there is no sinner anymore. That hmm. it's not possible to be a centrist in America anymore. And that the sinner is is shattered. And you're either covering up. If, if you're trying to act like it it's that way, you're covering up what's happening and you're refusing to look at, at reality. The sinner has not held.
0: So I. One last thing. I'm just curious. This because it was. A, I mean, I clearly a very heavy. I mean, it was just watching it and having been through similar things and seeing things like this happen in the past. Similar things. I mean, it's a very heavy experience. Is an experience that can, as you put it, Boehner shatter somebody. Just be being in the midst of that um, when you're confronted by armed racists who are. Intent unlike that that the, the the black man they attacked in that parking garage, and they beat with poles.
2: You read about that? I was there. I you saw were there. That. I have you video. saw that. Yeah, I saw that. And I've got a very
1: clear picture of that same guy in a video of that same guy who beat him with a pole, and that thing beating another guy with a pole, and the like a picture this close up with his his pole into someone's face. So like that guy's a seriously, uh, you know. Wanted, went there with the intention of hurting and maybe killing people. So
0: the weekend before this, you all ran the streets of Baltimore um, all day and all night covering the Baltimore ceasefire, which was put on by people and kind of took a life of its own, uh, became this social, cultural, political statement, and people just kind of wrapped their arms around the city and neighborhoods and really were out there. Women from Alfred Justice, they're two neighborhoods all day and all night long, just helping people everywhere they could in the communities. And then this. I'm just curious what you think about the juxtaposition between these two things, because they're both—well, let me stop
2: there. Um, So I'm going to be mildly optimistic here. I think the through line, though, would be collective action and decentralized action, because— one thing I think is worth stressing um, would be that that rally on Saturday didn't happen. It was shut down 45 or so minutes before it was supposed to start. So the collective action of the protesters, of church groups, of anti-fascists um, did stop the rally. It, you know, and as far as we know, we're not, it's not an actual war, so we don't determine this on casualties or anything. So I think there was a sense that the the left was effective. Um, and it reminded me of the ceasefire in the sense that it was people taking the dysfunction of the state um, as fuel to f- try to fix it. And I think that's kind of the connection between the two. At the same time, though, um, yeah, you couldn't be at two different events um, because one was so informed by the idea of opposing and Understanding violence, and the other side, this Charlottesville disaster was completely the opposite. It was all just stoking violence from the moment you got there. I mean, that was the thing: is the the Nazis came to fight. Like I've never seen Trump people, or the few times I've been at other sort of alt right Nazi things, they c- there was there was a different level of ready to fight. And I think that was probably emboldened a little bit by the apathy on the side of the police or the kind of tacit support of the police. Um, but also, just, just keeps ratcheting up, you know? I mean, and then, you know, you saw all these explosions of support marches yesterday all around the country. And it's like, it felt a little bit like the day after the election and that everyone was mobilized. So I think yesterday, um, maybe the center, the centrists were mobilized, but they'll fall in line soon and we'll be back. Well, this will keep happening, this horrible loop.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and, I mean, one thing, and I wasn't I wasn't one of the people who was out all night. I did a little bit of coverage of the ceasefire, but it was really Brandon and Joe who were doing that. But like so O'Donnell so right? Yeah. So Jack Posobiec, the uh, uh, far right Nazi apologist, said to this morning on his Twitter, meanwhile, 39 shootings in Chicago this week and nine deaths. No media covers it. So first, like the it's like, fuck you. You're a liar. Um, like we have been actively trying to cover efforts towards a ceasefire here, and we cover your people murdering people on the streets of Charlottesville. So like you don't get this excuse, right wing, to say that like no one's covering these deaths, no one cares about it. Like Baltimore deeply cares about the murders that are happening here, and the press here deeply cares about the murders who are ha- that are happening here, and we also deeply care about the murders that were committed, the murder that was committed and the, the other attempted murders, um, on the streets of Charlottesville. And, and one other important thing that I think add on that, there was one moment of like really tremendous sort of joy that it felt like, I mean, the, the anti-fascists actually drove the Nazis from town. The Nazis left town. They were out at another park outside of town or farther from the center of town. And Will Sommer, who covers these guys and was, was writing for The Hill, was over there. And they were talking about going to hide in the woods. Um, They were like terrified of police and the other activists, the the counter protesters. And they were like, they were fleeing town. And both these two, we were marching with them. And these two groups of the left converged on the street, on on Water Street. And were marching. And it was this, this had just burned uh, all of these racist flags and stuff in a park. And it was this really like, and I tweeted that if this feels triumphant, and three minutes later, I tweeted, someone has hit people. And so it was like, in this moment of of this triumphant and entirely peaceful, we drove these guys out of town, that those guys decide they're going to take revenge on that, and that they're not going to lose, and that they're going to come and, and resort to terrorism.
0: Well, I just, First, I want to thank the two of you, A, for the work that you do all the time, stuff you, that you both were in Charlottesville, um, that you were... Doing whether it was the uprising because of Freddie Gray or whether it was the work on ceasefire, the stuff you come out of the city paper and the folks that are in, in your world are really doing important work, are really doing important work. And I, it means a lot to me that you that we are collectively together in all this and that, that uh, you were able to do this. Well, thank you. And thank speaking you, of
1: collectively together, we should mention for full disclosure and stuff, we're doing a nonprofit. Journalism endeavor together because it's not money that should be driving this shit. It's the kind of coverage we need to so the Baltimore Institute of Nonprofit Journalism, with Mark and me and Brandon, um, and Center for Emerging Media sponsoring us. And so, like, thanks for that. And uh, let's just keep going out. This is. This is where it's at. This is the real shit.
0: And you just, that's the voice of Baylor Woods, who wrote the piece, Charlottesville and the Shattering of America, City Paper. We'll be linking to that at steinershow.org. And Brandon Soderbergh is with us, of course, editor of the City Paper. Uh, glad you were both here. And, folks, you can tell your friends go to steinershow.org or download the Steiner podcast uh, from any of your favorite apps. So, thank you all. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Mark Steiner Show podcast, produced and edited by Calvin Perry.